Welcome to another episode of Sunday Golds. I'm Aria Masudi and Brett Nevitt. Florida State baseball has kicked off the season. Opening weekend was against James Madison. Link Jarrett's debut, and it ended in three games, uh, all victorious for Florida State. Brett, first off, man, uh, good to be back with you, uh, and also good to be in person with you, too. Uh, the Zoom tactic kind of was, was tough, uh, but a uh, good job holding it down for the last couple of episodes, and uh, your information is good as ever, and it it's really funny because you foreshadow just about everything that this team was going to be, and it kind of all played out to fruition uh, in those three games. You know, twelve seven on on Friday, and then winning, of course, five to one, and was it what seventeen ten? Yeah, I believe a uh, football score on Sunday, and uh, the Knolls are three and zero. Really good hitting lineup looks strong. Defense has looked much improved fundamentals look improved and the pitching staff had some bright moments and, and some uh, good performers but I think overall they're still looking for some other names to emerge and, and some consistency there but all in all you had to be happy with the first three games and opening weekend for Link Jarrett and the Knowles yeah you gotta you gotta be happy with a sweep to start the year um take it 10 out of 10 times um especially with a young team like this um and a you know, pitching staff that you're tr- still trying to figure out exactly what it's going to look like. Um, but like you said, I, I, I felt like most mostly everything that went on this weekend was kind of what I expected. Um, wasn't too much that I felt like was eye-opening or was different than what I expected it to be. Um, but yeah, overall, I just thought it was a really good weekend for Florida State. Obviously, there's some things they need to clean up, but obviously there's also a lot of things to build off of. Um, and that's all you can hope for coming out of an opening weekend. And, you know, you'd rather learn some lessons in wins than you would in losses. So um, good to start the year 3-0. and A lot to work on, a lot to build off of. Um, and as of now, still pretty much feel the same way I did going in, into the opening weekend. Let's structure the show for this episode, Brett, in terms of let's go macro, right? I'll ask you uh, from a bird's eye view. What impressed you the most about Florida State? And then we'll get a little bit more specific. And I don't think we need to really talk about each game specifically. I I don't know that that's as important as what we saw. But let's talk maybe about each unit of the team and what they did for three games. So uh, from, again, that macro perspective overall, what did you like about Florida State the most this weekend? Yeah, obviously offensively, I thought it was a really strong weekend overall. And I went into this season feeling like this team was going to hit. And I, you know, obviously after this weekend, still feel that way. I mean, 380 average as a team, 500 on base percentage, 660 slug. Did a little bit of every, everything this weekend. Um, ran the bases some. Still would like that to be cleaned up a little bit. Some mistakes on Sunday. Um, but, you know, I think, what, you had eight doubles, four triples, four home runs. Um, only 15 strike counts, 15% of at-bats you strike out on. 50% of plate appearances, you reached base. All 17 guys that took an, a plate appearance this weekend reached base. I mean, couldn't ask for anything more offensively. Um, I just feel like Link has them very prepared to do damage in any moment, in any count. Um, I feel like he puts them in good situations. He he knows he knows what uh, he knows what approach to get them in to to let them do damage and make impact on the game. Um, you know, pitching staff-wise, um, you know, there were obviously some bright spots and there were obviously some not-so-bright spots. 
Um, I thought the biggest thing for me was seeing Doug Kirkland on Sunday and the way he threw the ball. Um, first appearance since March 11, 2020. Um, didn't really know exactly how they were going to try to use him here early in the year, um, but seeing him come out of the pen early in the game on Sunday and get you out of a jam and not only do that, but then to give you two more innings of clean baseball and throw strikes um, and just let you know the hitters get themselves out kind of. It was really good to see him out there. Um, also thought Andrew Armstrong did a good job. So those are two guys that probably were outside your core eight going into this weekend that you feel a little bit better about, about their performances and what they're going to give you moving forward. And I think they, they kind of give you a little bit more depth here going into this next week of the season. And you probably have a little more trust in those two guys um, after the way they threw the ball this weekend. Yeah, I think, you know, to, to kind of pick up on the pitching from where you just left off, you feel really good, again, about what Whitaker and Crowell did. You have to, right? And those are two guys that a lot of people, I think, expected to maybe be in the weekend rotation. And I think they were given uh, a look. They were extended. Coach Rostano said as much. Uh, Link Jarrett told us that as much in the TV interviews we did with him on Thursday, uh, getting ready for the broadcast. They extended about eight guys. They felt like there was going to be a list that they needed to be ready for extended periods. And Crowell and Whitaker were that. They just decided that the current model that they have right now with this team and that staff, that those two would be more useful and impactful coming out of the pen in high leverage situations. Ch Chuck Rostano told us uh, we call them dirty situations and we need them to get us out of it. And it's funny because both guys did get you out of a dirty situation when they came into the game. And so... Uh, Brett, you pretty much nailed it in the offseason. You said that's probably going to be their most optimal usage, and it showed in the first weekend. Uh, I love Jackson Baumeister's outing. I thought after he had a little bit of you know, trouble in the first inning, he settled in and started to show you the premium arm talent. The spin rate on the fastball was really good, and it was, I think, really bothering JMU's hitters. And then, of course, you know, Carson Montgomery, I didn't think he was awful. I don't think that he quite lived up to what the coaching staff had praised him and up to be. And I know, Brett, you had seen him in a scrimmage where he looked far more dominant and more consistent than he did in opening start. Maybe those are the jitters of a Friday night opening day start. We'll give him the benefit of the doubt. He'll probably get another look this weekend at TCU. So I'm not going to draw too many conclusions there. Um but from a pitching perspective overall, you hit on some of the other guys. I think Jamie Arnold's going to get a couple more looks. Um, he was throwing strikes, but, you know, JMU's got some hitters, and uh, they made Florida State pay. So uh, those are things from a top, you know, from a macro level. Uh, Brett, let's talk about the offense a little bit, and then we'll go maybe pitching-specific uh, bullpen starters and, and your outlook on that after one week. And then maybe we'll touch into, you know, fielding as well as, defense, uh, those kind of go hand-in-hand, hand, base running as well, and, and then we'll, we'll look ahead to JU and TCU a, a little bit too. So uh, offense, there's not a whole lot to complain about when you have 38 runs. What is it, 38 runs on 34 hits? Uh, 34 runs on 38 hits. Okay, yeah. So uh, in the 30s on both, you put a 17 spot up on Sunday, and Brett, the freshmen look really good as advertised, especially those top two guys in Diamez, Ross, and Cam Smith. Yeah, Diamez is Diamez is just a really good table setter. And Link said that this week. He just has the traits of someone that sets the table for those, you know, the big boppers in the middle and, and your run producers. 
Diaz just he puts the bat on everything. He, he fights extremely hard, battles to not strike out, knows the plate well, um, and he's a smart baseball player. He runs the base as well, um, and I think we saw that he covers a ton of ground in the outfield as well. Obviously, Cam, the power is special. Um, the entire tool set is special. And obviously he had a good week at the plate, but even the bigger thing for me with Cam was the way he played third. I mean, I don't think it could have gotten any better than the way he played third this weekend. He handled balls that were hit hard. He handled balls that were to his left. He handled balls to his backhand. I mean, he every single thing that was thrown his way, he 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 did it, and he did it at a very high level. I mean, he made one play on a ball to his left that is going to be a really tough play for carry on deep in the hole if it gets to him. And, I mean, he just made it as natural as it looks. I mean, the ball, he, the play he makes on the backhand down the line that turns into a 5-3 double play to get wide out of a jam. I mean, he just made that look as natural as he can. And I've been saying for a while, I think he has a 70-grade, maybe potential 80-grade arm. It's just, you know, I know that's a little crazy to say, but it's just that good. I mean, on that double play ball, the 5-3, where he steps in the bag and just lets it rip, I mean, that ball just, it was... I mean, on the TV replay, it looks like the ball was shot out of a cannon. It just kind of just disappears across the screen. It 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 was it was unreal. And I mean, that's just what the ball does out of his hand. It it carries so well, and it just gets over there in a hurry. Um, so I was even more so impressed with his defense and how he handled the hot corner this weekend. But obviously, at the bat, we we know the 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 power and the talent he possesses there too. The double play he turned by himself, Brett. The 5-3 was incredible because that's not an easy play going down the line to your backhand. Uh, and it must be nice to have, you know, low 90s heat uh, across the infield to be able to kind of save you. He had a bobble, I think, at one point this weekend, but recovered. And because his arm is so strong, he knew that, right? Like, it's like a guy who's very confident and comfortable in what his skill set is. Um, he knew he had the time and the arm strength. It's MLB-level arm strength. He's, it's a guy who's going to profile at third uh, and moves for moves well for a guy who can play uh, third base at that size. So, <clears throat> Cam Smith, very impressive. Competitive ABs, too, in my opinion. He was fighting, scrapping, and clawing, and, and Diamez Ross is the epitome of a good AB. I mean, he just – did he strike out this weekend? Just once. Once. I mean, it doesn't get better than that, right? He was in JMU's pitcher's head on Saturday. I'm trying to think of his name. It wasn't Burke, uh, Murphy, yeah, Ryan. who just kept trying to throw over, and Diamez just started playing with him. And you could see the, the flinches towards second base, uh, and then he stole a couple of bags anyway. And that is your prototypical t- uh, leadoff hitter. I remember in fall ball when you started talking about him on, on some of your pods uh, that he had just earned his spot. Like he was a kid that maybe no one knew much about coming in, and then once fall ball hit and preseason spring practice hit, he was incredible. Uh, and Link said that as much to me and Gabby Sanchez. He said he earned his role, and you're going to like him. He's a throwback baseball player, and he's a kid that just – and Link needed a second to kind of take a deep breath <laughs> and was like, he just does things the right way. And you show, he showed it. He showed it from game one, Friday night uh, against JMU. So the freshmen look really good. I know you want to shout out Titan Kamaka. I, I know it's coming, so I'm going to let you get it out of the way right now. First career at bat, and he pushes one over the wall and left for a bomb. Yeah, I just think Titan's going to hit. I just uh, always have thought he's going to hit. Since he got here in preseason, he's just so consistently hit the ball hard and sprayed it all over the yard. And I don't think I'd hit, I had seen him hit a home run since he stepped on campus, but that ball was touched, and it got out in a hurry. Um, so 
Yeah, like I've said multiple times, this freshman class is, is really good. I know Gunnett Carlson got the start on Saturday, um, and he had a hit as well. Um, I thought Gunnett just was a little antsy. It looked like he just missed a couple balls out in front off the end of the bat. Um, once he gets settled in, I think he's really going to do something for them too this year from that left side of the plate. But obviously you had some veterans this weekend also uh, help you out in a big way. I think we should talk about them right now because uh... – we need to start with Carrion and Vincent. I think Jordan Carrion had the biggest weekend of, of any Seminole at the plate. Seven for 11, uh, seven RBIs. He had, what, four extra base hits, was a machine on base. And you've kind of seen him take that next step where we saw last year in stretches, right, Brett, that he could dominate for stretches of 15 games. And you told me I think that he hit 300-plus in the second half of the year anyway. And so maybe that was him turning a corner getting comfortable in Tallahassee, in the lineup every day, coming from Florida, now with a new staff, a new approach, it's tapping into more of what his strengths are, and he really balled out. And then I'll let you parlay that into your thoughts on Colton Vincent because switch hitting, Colton hit 625. I think he silenced a lot of naysayers this weekend, and he also showed a really strong arm behind the plate throwing out a couple of would-be base stealers. Yeah, I think first off with Jordan, I just think that Jordan at this point in his, in his career just knows himself very well, knows what works for him, knows what doesn't, and he knows the kind of hitter that he is, and he's going to try to spray balls all over the yard for doubles. And, you know, he's going to get, you know, a homer or two at some point probably, but that's not what he's trying to do. He's trying to put the ball in play. He's trying to run. He's just trying to make things happen and, and cause some chaos and – I think at this point we just have to accept that and expect that Jordan Carrion is a really good college hitter. I mean, you talked about the second half. I mean, dating back to April 9th, which was the second game of the Georgia Tech series last year, I mean, he's hitting 417 with a 475 on base and a 567 slug with only a 13.4% K rate in that time span. I mean, and that's in 33 games. So in, 30, in his last 33 games, he's hitting 417. I mean, at that point, he's just turned himself into a really, really good college hitter. And, you know, I, I just feel good about what he's going to give you for the entire year. Colton, obviously, big weekend, probably his biggest weekend he's ever had as a Seminole. Um, just really good to see from him. And, you know, the thing I think that we forget about sometimes with Colton is last year that start he had was probably the unluckiest I've ever seen for a hitter. I mean – I don't know if you remember already, but every it felt like every time he came to the plate, he was either lining out or I don't know. It just felt like early in the year that nothing would go for Colton, and that was kind of the start of the the full year kind of drought at the plate. But I mean, he's already halfway to to his extra base hit total from last year. I mean, first career home run this weekend, and that ball was touched. I mean, it wasn't just didn't scrape over that fence. I thought it was pretty well gone. Um, so really good for, to see from him and obviously like you said also throwing out three base runners that's as, as huge as it gets and I think it gets lost on some people how good he was at that last year I mean he was the best catcher in the ACC when it came to throwing runners out and, in, and controlling the running game so he definitely um, that's that's as good of a start as it gets there for Colton I mean 1950 open, OPS after opening weekend 1250 slug he silenced a lot of people, man. Like, I think media and fans alike that had kind of been, a na been naysaying him, you know. And I hope you liked the home run call that I gave him on Saturday. I, I was really happy for him. 
Uh, and I am happy for Colton Vincent, really am. I mean, it's it's a kid that I think, you know, has also heard Maguire Holbrook is here, and he comes from West Virginia, and he's going to take his spot, and that's the catcher. And uh, Colton's a competitive kid, you know? Like, he he's kind of took the hard route to getting to college, right? Juco kid, he's worked hard. He's had to, to really have uh, that grinded-out mentality to just play at this level. And so I respect the heck out of him and, and, and what he did. You know, five hits. He did it from both sides. He laced a double to left field from uh, the right-hand side, too. Uh, and I think one of his hits, one of his outs this weekend were uh, from the left side where he went oppo. It might have been the very next at bat from the home run where he hit the ball pretty well to the warning track yeah, in left. It and it, that was like a last year uh, out that would have been for him where we were like, dang, Colton hit that pretty well, and, and the kid caught it. But uh, overall, it, I, I mean – you know what? You're going to have to keep him in the lineup. Like, if he does this, right? And again, TCU is going to be a big test. I don't think JMU had arms. Like, I, I was able to scout them out all week, you know, for the TV broadcast. They really don't have that many arms. They had maybe three or four guys that you would qualify as ACC level for, for FSU and what they would see in the regular season. So TCU is going to be a step up, but shout out Colton Vincent. Uh, I think overall on the weekend, he might got my MVP honors. Uh, just what he did defensively, what he did offensively in context, right. Of where he's come from. And uh, can you enlighten us a little bit about the switch hitting? I was told it was last year. He was injured. He couldn't really hit from the left side the way that he wanted to. Um, what's allowed him to be able to get back into switch hitting um, and, and, and do that for link. Yeah, he switched hit in Juco, and then it stopped. I don't think I ever saw him switch hit when he got here and on campus because I think, like you said, he had an injury and then kind of just stuck with the right-handed hitting. And then I think Link said that he saw him. He saw Colton hitting left-handed, taking left-handed swings one day in the cages and kind of just went up to him and said, you yeah, know, that, that looks pretty good. Why don't you just keep doing that? So that's pretty simple story, but that's kind of how he just started doing it again. And he did it all fall working on it, and they stuck with it in preseason, and it pays off here in the opening weekend. Yeah, and uh, last note I want to make on carry on. You can see the leadership. You can see the energy. That he's, Stood out to me, it's, too. It's, it's captain material, right? Like, he, he was named one of the co-captains. Um, and as seasons wear on, and as you get into ACC play and postseason, you need guys that are kind of keeping everybody locked in, focused, and creating momentum. Link Jarrett likes to say momentum comes from the field into the dugout. I think Carrion kind of embodies that um, altogether, but they're going to look to him, I think, to be an emotional leader for them for 60 games a season. Yeah, I was down on the field for a good part of each game, first couple innings of each game at least, and I thought Jordan was doing a really good job talking with Cam to his right and just communicating with, communicating with Cam and, and you know basically telling him every single thing that could happen on a play. If you need to go here, I'm going to be here. You know, he just did a really good job communicating with the freshman to his right and keeping him engaged and, and making sure he knew where to go. So I just thought that was really good to see from him. And like I said, he just seems really confident and comfortable in his in his game right now. So it's really good to see. I've also heard carry on might be uh, testing out the waters on a some kind of media career coming up here. I've heard the scuttle, but we'll have to uh, inquire uh, yes. about the availability of uh, of Jordan Carrion and, and in the media world. All right, uh, let's talk a little bit about two of the bigger names from last season who slow starts to the weekend, both heated up in uh, really big ways. James Tibbs and Jaime Ferrer, uh, 
they combined for eight hits on the weekend, and Tibbs had a monster, monster Sunday. Yeah, I thought I thought James had good at bats all weekend. Um, just didn't get stuff to go on Friday. I mean, he had five walks on the weekends to go with four hits. Um, and also he only K'd once, which is really good to see. I think he struck out in, I want to say, 35% of his at-bats last year. Um, just to see him strike out once and walk five times, that's that might be the biggest thing for me with him. Um, I had the homer, also had his first career triple. I mean, they said the home run tracked on track man at 411, but – I mean, I was down on the field when he hit that, and I just there's just no way that that ball was only hit 411 feet. I mean, it probably cleared that tree out in right center, that big tree, by like 20 feet. It 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 wasn't even close to staying in the yard in right center. Um, I mean, he he got that as much as you can get a ball, and I feel like he's in a really good place at the plate right now. I had felt that way in preseason, even though he missed the fall. It seemed like his timing was close, and that. It was just going to take one swing for it to click, and he would go for there. So really good to see him go four for four on Sunday. I think that was his first four, uh, first career four-hit game. Jaime just needed something to get him going, I thought, on Saturday. Had that ball dribble up the middle for a two-run single, and he was you know clicking on all cylinders again after that. Just hits everything hard. You know exactly what you're going to get from him. I thought he brought good energy as well. I thought he brought some good leadership as well. Um, you know, coming off the field often, I heard him pretty vocal and, and trying to keep the dugout lively. Um, so good good weekend for your two captains there as well as Tibbs. Let's talk about some of the other guys too, Brett. I think, you know, the, the other starter, uh, Nander DeSantis, who comes back from Mizzou, pretty solid weekend for him overall. I don't think he tried to do too much. Uh, laid a bunt down to advance a runner, uh, stole a base, uh, played station to station baseball and, and had a couple of base hits. Uh, ended up three for ten and, and limited his K's as well. And I thought at second he actually looked pretty solid. Him and Carrion turned some really nice double plays. If Nander can come back, right, here in his final year for Link, and he understands the role, right, that it's, you know, he, he's a, a piece to a, a cog, right, to a machine. And then he, he does his job, shows some veteran experiences, took some hit-by-pitches. I mean, on-base percentage on the weekend of – 417, I think you take that from Nander this season. And, and there's no doubt there's something to be said about a guy who's played over, you know, 125, 130 college games. You know, there is a lot of experience there in two conferences. Yeah, there's not going to be anything new for Nander. I mean, what was his fifth opening day this past weekend? Um, and he's probably started, I think, all but one of them. Um, so it's a guy that's been there, done that, seen it all. Not going to be really be phased, I don't think. Um, yeah, I thought he had a solid weekend. And like you mentioned, the double plays. It's really good to see them turning the double plays they, the way they did this weekend. I think they had they had three um, on opening day alone, and they only had three through 11 games last year, I want to say. Um, so I thought that was big to see. Obviously, like you said, Nander did a good job of turning a couple of those um, with carry on and, and a couple with, with Cam. Um, so, yeah, a good overall first weekend for Nander. Um, thought Jordan Williams also had a good weekend, even though he didn't have any hits, um, three walks. And you're just trying to get Jordan on base so that he can then go and, and create havoc for you. Um, only had five at-bats. He didn't get any, any hits in those at-bats, but I thought he made pretty good contact on a couple of balls. Um, but, yeah, more so than anything, I just know that he's going to get on base for you. So, um, yeah, I don't – 
couple other guys to mention, I guess. Cade, Baz, yeah. uh, both got starts at DH. Cade had first two hits. Baz, it was his first career start. Um, obviously, the injury took away the last couple years for him for the most part, so it was really good to see him get out there and get a start. I, I was really excited for him to be out there on opening day in the starting lineup. It was really good to see. What do you think Cade can give Florida State this season? Also, Jordan Taylor uh, and Trayton Rank got some time as well. Did they both get starts? I think Trayton definitely did. Taylor did not. Taylor did, did not, but he got a couple at-bats. of at-bats. Okay, yeah. and, and had a base hit uh, in one. What do you think uh, those three can do for Florida State this season? Yeah, Cade, I think it's just – I mean, he's a masher from the right side. Um, you know, he's going to K a little bit, but he's going to – you know, he's going to put hard contact and play often, I think, um, and a lot to the backside. I think like he had on Sunday, he'll get some starts in the DH spot against right-handers and I think, I mean, against left-handers. And I think he'll pinch hit a good, a good bit against left-handers late in game. Um, and, yeah, I've kind of always thought that he's kind of like a Quincy Neporty light, something like that, um, and could develop into in something like that later in his career. Um, so, yeah, I would just say he's, kind of your masher from the right side off the bench and and rotationally starting at dh jordan taylor obviously there's electricity in the bat there um had his first career hit this weekend i think he'll they'll try to get him in the mix a couple times here and there against left-handed pitchers as well and keep giving him pitch pinch hit opportunities to try to get him into a rhythm because the the talent there is obviously special and the hand speed and, and the bat speed, those are, you know, you can't really teach those things. And there's just so much juice and so much talent in, in his frame. So um, kind of excited to see how they try to get him into the mix. Trayton, obviously, I think super utility guy, has been getting some work at first, but started and left, has also begun work, working right. Um, so I think they'll tr- they'll try to get him in the, in the starting lineup you know, at least once a week, you know, like they did on Sunday against a left-handed pitcher. And, you know, if he, you know, grabs onto a starting spot from there, then, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but I think as of now, he's kind of like your 10th man where if someone goes down or someone needs a day off, Trayton can play anywhere, especially in the corner outfield spots. And at first some as well, I think those are the spots we'll see him at the most this year. Cool. So overall, pretty good offensive weekend. I do think we need to touch on the fact that they struck out only 15 times, uh, 19 walks to, to 15 strikeouts. There were games last year, uh, actually more than once, more than twice, they struck out 15 times in that single game. So to see that over a three-game span, you could tell with two strikes, Florida State was shortening the swings. Um, they were playing to make contact. Link Jarrett's big on that. Put the ball in play, force a defense to record all 27 outs. And I think the Knowles took a major step forward in the first weekend doing that. It actually was really refreshing to see. Yeah, I just think they're bought into the idea of, of really battling with two strikes. And I also think they're bought into the idea of, you know, offense can come in a lot of different ways. You know, we saw a couple guys lay down bunts this weekend. I think Nander had a hit on a bunt. I want to say DMS had a hit on a bunt. Um, there's guys that know they can they can lay a bunt down and use their speed to go make things happen. Um, and like I said earlier, Link just gets them in the right approach. I think Jaime mentioned that they have 10 different offensive approaches, and that can change pitch to pitch, at bat to at bat, pitcher to pitcher. Um, they're just so well prepared. They know exactly what they're going to get from the scouting they do, and, and they're able to put their, their, their hitters in, in a place to do damage from there. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, you had 19 walks and seven hit-by-pitches, so you had 26 free passes and only 15 Ks. 
Can't get much better than that, obviously. James Madison didn't really have any power arms, but um, I think last year Florida State struck out 24% of their at-bats against James Madison um, in the same level of arms. Uh, so it, it, 15% is a lot better, and you're going to take that every single weekend. You can get it, I think. 100%. And I think that it seemed like it was the entire lineup, too. Guys coming in off the off the bench, guys who played on Saturday, played on Sunday, those who started on opening day, you could see it. Like you said, it was a philosophical overall approach from the guys. And so uh, kudos to them. They put pressure, I think, on the base paths, too. Did some good stuff there. Um, and, and overall, a really good offensive day. Can't complain about that. I mean, you had five guys that started all three games that didn't came more than once. Yeah, so... Up and down, you feel like Very you're going to Yeah, you feel like yeah. you're going to have guys battling up and down the yeah. lineup. That was what we always praised Notre Dame on. It was like they just fight you. Remember against Parker last year yeah. in the ACC tournament? You're like they're just fighting this kid. Yeah, and then they hit some of those juice baseballs out of the yard off the ground, golfed them out of the yard. We need to get us some of those. That band box in Charlotte. <laughs> Let's talk some pitching. What do you say? Let's do it. All right. Uh, start with the start with the uh, no pun intended. The starters, uh, Montgomery, and then they went to uh, Baumeister, and then Jamie Arnold. Your thoughts on the the three guys that were all on pitch counts, by the way? Nobody, I don't think, went over sixty pitches uh, on their outing. Sixty one pitches, maybe. Yeah. Uh, what were your thoughts overall on those three? Yeah, um, was pretty disappointed with Carson's command. I just felt like we had gotten to a better spot with that. Um, but it, it wasn't any better than it's been in the past on Friday. I mean, only 50% strikes in, in 61 pitches, three walks and four innings, only one K fastball command just didn't allow him to get into spots to, to, to get strikeouts. I felt like there were a lot of uncompetitive pitches, um, a lot of big misses. I mean, just going back and watching the first 10 pitches or so, it just felt like every Every pitch was missing the spot by, you know, a whole plate plate width. Um, just wasn't getting his fastball to the spots he needed to. And I've talked about before that, you know, his his sinking fastball. It's not a it's not a fastball that's going to miss bats. It's a it's a sinking fastball that needs to get to the outside parts of the plate to get weak contact. Um, and that's what that pitch is meant to do. But it felt like on Friday that the fastball was either way off or that it was over the heart of the plate. Um, and that's not what he had shown in the preseason. Um, like I had mentioned the last time I saw him, he threw 81% strikes, and it wasn't just throwing it in the strike zone. It was utilizing both both blacks on both sides of the plate. It was, it was, stri- it was sliders for strikes, sliders for swing and miss. Um, so you just hope that he gets back to that next time out and that maybe that was just an opening day type thing. Um, but it, what we saw on Friday is consistent with what we've seen in the past from Carson. And if he's going to be your Friday starter, you just you simply need him to be better, and you simply can't have him throw only fifty percent strikes. J bomb, I thought was was good. Um, obviously, lost the command there a little at the end, but overall the command was good. Sixty five percent strikes, I believe. Fastball dominant in the zone. Um, as I think you'd expect his fastball to be against against JMU, um, and that's a good veteran lineup. I thought they made a lot of FSU's pitchers work work, and they didn't they didn't miss the pitches to hit. You know, I, I think J Bomb still the same thing as usual, um, trying to get the off speed a little more consistent and, and a little better. 
Um, I thought the slider and changeup were both okay. Changeup is really good sometimes. There's other times where it doesn't go as much. Um, but I thought it was a good first outing for J-Bomb overall. You just can't have it kind of fall apart there so quick like it did in the fifth. But up until that point, it felt like a really good first start for him and still is. I mean, four innings, one run, uh, two hits, five strikeouts, two walks. I, I'll, I'll take that for, an, for a first weekend start and first um, week of the season. And Jamie, Jamie, I just felt like cruised through the first two innings and then kind of got ambushed. I didn't think that he ever really found his off speed 100%. And that, that allowed James Madison to kind of just do damage on the fastball. I still feel good about Jamie in that Sunday spot. I would like to see him get a couple more chances. I mean, it's it's a first ever start in the first appearance for a freshman. I mean, I was down there, and I mean, it's it's not easy for a freshman to just go out there and, and look great his first time out. I think he's just got to try to get settled in and and kind of just, you know, have it be another start for him and not that first career start. So just want to see him get out there and have another chance to perform. And um, obviously it will be a tough text, tough test next week at TCU. Yeah, I think he's earned at least a couple of starts, right? You know, you, you got to give a guy an opportunity to kind of show himself, improve himself, and uh, get comfortable within the role that he's being asked to pitch in. And I think Link is, is you know, no stranger to that, obviously, at multiple stops. So... Um, but a guy like Ben Barrett, who's going to pitch, I believe, Tuesday against JU, that's an opportunity, right, for him to make an impression, uh, and you kind of evaluate it from there. So um, I guess we're kind of announcing that, too. It was announced today that, that Ben Barrett, the freshman, will get the start uh, against JU on Tuesday. So uh, anyway, um, again, I, I'm not as down on Carson. as I, I don't think – I think I agree with you, though, that if he's going to be the Friday guy – and you're gonna uh, and you're gonna allow Wyatt Crowell and Connor Whitaker to be used as those Swiss Army knives in the pen. Carson has to work out on Fridays, right? Like that can't be a question mark. Uh, Parker Messick spoiled everybody, right, for a couple of seasons. I mean, he's just that good. Uh, and Florida State has routinely had really, really good Friday night starters, even before Parker. So um, there's some trust there that Carson's gonna figure it out. I think both of us believe that he he has it. Uh, and, and has the ability to do that. Um, the stuff is still premium, premium right? 96-97. Uh, pitches still look good. Slider looked pretty good. He's just got to do it consistently. And I know that's been the book on Carson for, for now a couple of years is putting it together consistently. But um, let's see what he does against TCU, and, and I think we can draw some more conclusions uh, after that weekend. And then we, we, I talked about J-Bomb in the macro level. To me, he was the most impressive uh, pitcher overall on the weekend, just from my, my perspective. Um, just with what he was asked to do, et cetera. Bullpen. Uh, Crowell, Whitaker. We, we spent some time on it, you know, earlier in the show. But is are you even more convinced now that that's where those two need to be used with the way that Crowell pitched and then the way that Connor pitched in long early? Connor really got extended. Yeah. Uh, more Did he throw the most pitches of anyone over the weekend? Yeah, he threw 72. And, I mean, Wyatt would have – he would have been back out there for the ninth if that first game hadn't got, you know, where it got to with the score. Um, I think, what did it end up being going into the ninth? Like 12 to three or something? 12 to. Something in that ballpark. 12, 12 to three four, or 12, 12 to four. And Sunday was 17 three, right? Yeah. Before they got to the ninth. So, yeah. Okay. Jeez. Adventurous ninth innings on Friday and Sunday. But, yeah, I mean, 
I just don't think that this rotation, this this pitching staff is going to work without White in the bullpen right now. Um, you just need him down there to give you stability. You need him down there to give you experience. And, I mean, they don't trust anyone as much as they trust Wyatt Crowell to go get them outs at the end of a game. And like we saw on, on Friday, you just you need him to clean up to, to clean up the like you said the dirty messes that are out there and he's just so good in that role you know exactly what you're going to get from him you're going to get a lethal fastball and a lethal slider and guys are going to be guessing at what they're getting um, even if they know the slider is coming it's so good that they're probably not going to be able to hit it I just I don't think that they have enough en- enough depth on this staff to to get through this season without Wyatt being that dominant extended guy in the bullpen throwing four or five innings for them every weekend. Um, and I think in most cases that's going to come in one day. That's going to be a Friday, four innings, go out there in the six and go win us the game. You got the ball the rest of the way, go dominate. Um, like we saw last year in the second half of the season, I just think he excels in that role. There's no one else except for Seawit on this staff that can, that can do that. Um, and there's no one else that they trust the way they trust Wyatt to go get them out of, out of messes. Seawit, he's just steady Eddie. You know exactly what he's going to give you, too. Really good changeup, sinking fastball that's going to get off the barrel of the bat. Um, and, you know, a, a breaking ball that's improved, but still you'd probably like to see it get a little better and better. But I did think it looked it looked sharp on, on Saturday and that it looked the best it, it probably has um, breaking ball-wise since he's gotten here. You know, obviously he got himself into the jam in the eighth, but they just got three singles. What are you going to do about it? He strikes the guy out to get out of the inning, comes back for the ninth and goes one, two, three, five shutout innings. Can't ask for anything more from him. And Seawit, obviously there's just the utmost trust in him and getting the job done because he just, he does it over and over again. You know, I, I said this on a, a previous pod, Brett, uh, and I know we've chatted about, you know, Crowell and, and Whitaker on how many how many times you can use them within a weekend. I don't think it would be out of the realm of possibility to see a Crowell go on a Friday. Say Carson does give you six strong innings, right? Or seven. And Crowell only goes two innings or three innings on Friday, and it's at like what? Hypothetically, right? I'm, I'm just throwing out would-be scenarios. 40 pitches. And then you're on a Sunday and you're in a tight one to win the series, or you're, you're there for a sweep, you would see Crowell back out there. I really think Link would do it. I, I think you want to have that ability. And I, and I say that for Whitaker, too. You can use Connor a couple times a weekend um, once we get into the thick of the season. So it best positions your team. And Link said this again. Uh, Gabby and I were, were talking to him, and uh, he was saying – 27 outs is our goal. It's not really who gets the first whatever number of outs. He said sometimes it's harder to get those middle nine outs than it is to get the first nine outs of a game. And so that's just the way that him and Rostano approach pitching um, with what they have, especially on this roster for this season. And, you know, not to mention that in a midweek you're playing the Florida Gators and, and Crowell and Whitaker are both available. They're going to be used because I think Link's going to want to beat the, the rivals. And so – um, right now, this is best for the team's overall pitching staff. Uh, and so we, you and I have talked about this again. The depth of this team's not very good, you know, for, for pitching. Link has said that publicly, and he did it again this weekend. He said, that's not our strength. That doesn't mean 
that there isn't a path for this to be an outstanding pitching staff. If those top five or six arms can all do their job, they pitch to their roles, and they excel. And then you have a couple of freshmen emerge as well. Then you're talking about eight or nine guys that can give you something. And once you get to postseason ball, Brett, you're not going to use nine arms. Like th- at, at that point, you've pretty much got guys backs to the wall mentality where Crowell's going to pitch all three games if he, you know, on all three days if he's in the bullpen if he has to. That's just how it goes in postseason ball. So I trust Link. I trust Rostano. They've been here before in this situation with Notre Dame where they've done some of this same stuff, and, and we've highlighted that in previous pods. If you want to go check them check them out and listen to some of our old stuff from the previews. Uh, but again, I think overall, you know, a 3-6-7 opening weekend ERA, not awful. I, I think you take that, especially considering, you know, you, you use some, some really new guys in um, to see what they could do, and I, I know they didn't handle it particularly well, but what would you say, top six to eight arms? All, I think you still feel pretty good about when you factor in an Oxford, uh, a David Barrett, uh, even Dennison and Armstrong, uh, and I'm Dougie, Dougie Kirkland, man. Uh, welcome back, by the way. Good to see you pitching again uh, and smiling and having a good time. Yeah, the one for me that I might change kind of how they're using him right now is, is David. And we saw, saw him on, on Friday kind of struggle in his second inning, and I talked about it when I talked – on the pod right after that game. Um, to me, David's just very much so a one-inning type of guy, a, a matchup type of guy where he's going to throw one pitch a lot. And after one inning out there, people are going to pick up on it and kind of be able to sit on sit on the slider. And, and once you've seen it, it's a little different because it comes from that unique angle over the top. I just don't think he's a guy that they're going to be able to get three innings out of and a guy that's going to bridge them to the back end of the bullpen, I think he's more so the the one-inning back-end type that gets right-handed hitters out and really can get left-handed hitters out too with the, the downhill uh, movement that the slider has at such a high velocity. Um, but I still feel really good about what DB gives them and his stuff. I mean, his, his spin rates are as, as good as anyone. Um, Dennison, I also feel like, can give you something – um, probably one one of your guys that's outside that core eight that you're trying to get in the mix. He missed a good bit of the preseason. I believe he was sick. Um, actually lost a good bit of weight. Um, it looked like, I think I heard him say, he lost 20 pounds from the sickness. So he's still working his way back. Um, Doug, obviously, like we talked about, just brings some electricity back there. Um, who else did you mention? What was the other name that you mentioned? Oh, man. Oxford. Oh yeah, Oxford only threw to one batter this weekend, um, and he walked him. But I still feel really good about Ox. Um, he's he's got to throw strikes, obviously, but only one batter, and he lost him in a full count. And I thought I thought the ball the ball four was a strike, um, but pitch before that probably was also might have been a ball. But I just feel really good about Ox still. And now you have him for this midweek game, where I wouldn't be surprised to see him go two three innings after after Barfield. I mean, not after Barfoot, after Barrett, Ben Barrett. Well, let's uh, transition into that because I think, you know, um, Barrett's got an opportunity. And then Link and the, the staff announced him as the starter. What do you want to see from Ben in his first career college start? Uh, just strikes. I mean, I just feel like if he goes and 
puts his stuff in the zone against Ju that he's going to fare well. Um, fastball around probably 89, 91. Maybe we'll tick up a little bit um, with some adrenaline for that first start. Slider has gotten a lot better around 80, 82 with a bunch of sweeping action. Um, and has a changeup as well, which I actually think could be pretty good um, if he starts using it more and develop develops it a little bit and gets some more consistency with it. Um, so, yeah, I expect Ben to go in there with a three-pitch mix, throw strikes, and, and get, get a lot of ground balls and some swing and misses on, on the slider. Um, but, yeah, more so than anything, you just want to see the freshman go out there and, and throw strikes and, and compete at a high level against, against JU, who's obviously been kind of a – pain in the you know what recently for us guys please beat ju i mean that's like to me it's gonna be like one of the check marks and the benchmarks for link jarrett and measuring success not just winning midweek games against floridian team you know like in-state foes please beat ju they have they have beaten us far too many times over the last five years for that to be acceptable uh, they treat the game like it's a Super Bowl every time. Florida State kind of sleepwalks. Can we see a team, you know, energized at Johnny Sessions Stadium? There's going to be a ton of Florida State fans in attendance, more than JU fans. I have a very good feeling. You know, Session Stadium will be mostly Garnet. Uh, send them home with a victory and to be happy. A lot of them can't get to Hauser <laughs> to watch you play. So, um yeah, I mean, look, JU's got, you know, Floridians playing baseball, which means that they're probably better than other midweek-type opponents that you're going to face and that other teams face around the country, right? This is still the like Deep South. Dame. Right, like, yeah, yeah, no kidding. Like or Teams in the Carolinas or, like, teams even in California, like, there are some, there are some decent teams in each of these states, yeah. you know, small schools, um, but especially Midwest, North, uh, Northeast, the midweek competition doesn't compare to what Florida State, Florida, Miami play, um, and some of these SEC school plays uh, as well. So, uh, Brett, I know you'll be there. Uh, I'm trying to figure out if I can make it to Session Stadium and, and watch that uh, and, and maybe cover that for the Osceola. You'll be doing it for Knowles 24-7. Uh, we won't preview TCU today because I actually think Brett's going to put uh, his brain down to, to some paper and, and see what he can find out on the Horn Frogs. We do know that they were very impressive were they at Arlington this weekend? Globe Life? Yeah, Globe Life. I, I just saw that they beat two SEC teams by a combined score of like 30-something or like 10. Yeah, I think they scored, what they score, 18, then 11, or 11, then 18, then 8, and their only loss was an extra innings after I think they blew a lead. They, they looked good. Yeah, I mean, and you're gonna it's going to be a grind for FSU's pitching staff. What's the name of their stadium? Lupton? Lupton Field? Lupton Lupton Stadium, I think. Whatever it is, man, they win a lot of games there every year. They are really tough at home. I think it's like a double-decker type stadium. It's really interesting, and it's a really nice ballpark, and that's a passionate fan base. Uh, Brett was on a podcast, I believe. Do you want to shout them out here on this? Yeah, let me pull it up. You did that earlier today, and I think we're going to try and get them on uh, later this week to talk about the uh, Horned Frogs yeah, and they 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 think it will be a crazy atmosphere there this weekend. They were actually asking me if any FSU fans, if I think FSU fans. I know some Texas, some Dallas and Fort Worth area Knowles that are going to make the trip. Their podcast is called uh, Lupton Drinking Club at Lupton Beers. So if you want to try to learn more about TCU before next weekend, make sure 
to listen to their podcast. Their Twitter is at Lupton Beers. Yeah, Florida State beat them twice last year and had a sweep coming, and then the rain and lightning delay, I think. Yeah. Like, what was it, in the fourth inning, maybe? Uh, I think so. And FSC was up, like, pretty two, con- I want to say two to zero they were up or something like that. Yeah, so that's not where FSU fans remember TCU from. We talked about it last year, remember? Uh, the the Omaha. Uh, man, that Are was Are you going to make yourself tough. sad real quick? No, there's a YouTube clip we don't need to watch of that Grand Slam that that kid hit um, in, in Rosenblatt. But anyway, TCU preview coming up later this week. Florida State's 3-0. and those of you in Jacksonville and Duval, make it out to Session Stadium Tuesday, 6 o'clock. So uh, if you're listening to this on Tuesday morning, the game's tonight. If you're listening to this on Monday night, game's tomorrow, uh, 6 o'clock. And uh, be loud, be proud, get your first look at Link Jarrett and the Seminoles. And, uh, yeah, Brad, I think pretty good episode overall. Anything else you want to add on before we say goodbye? I think we, we touched on just about everything. No, I just feel like it was a pretty stress-free weekend, and feels nice. Felt like it was mostly what I expected, which is nice. Yeah, feels good, enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah. All right, big week coming up. Appreciate you guys. This is Sunday Golds. Uh, We're on Apple, on Spotify. Please leave us five stars on Apple if if you could. That helps us out a lot. A review would be even better. Uh, But the thing you can do to help us out most is uh, share this podcast with your friends. Let them know uh, that Sunday Golds is the only, and if there is other ones, that's the best FSU baseball podcast out there. And uh, again, uh, we will chat with you. Hopefully, uh, Brett will chat with you guys later this week with a preview of TCU before that first pitch. And hopefully we're in a good mood uh, after the Knowles play at JU. So until we talk to you again, he was Brett Nevitt. I'm Mario Masudi, and this has been Sunday Golds.